Good. Well, good morning. I'm not sure if I need a microphone, but I think it might be recorded. Huh? So, okay, no, that's great. Um, so if I don't hear myself, it's not the point. Um, but it is really wonderful to be with you this morning. I know as the world has evolved over years, Saturday mornings are like super precious to people. <laughs> and so I really do appreciate it when people come out on a Saturday morning and you give up your time, then you know guys that are here are hungry for what is being shared. And so as I did last night, I thought I'd just share a little bit about who I am. So if you're wondering and there's all the questions that you're thinking, I wonder if she's this, I wonder if that, and I wonder that, I'll just settle all the wonders, then you can concentrate (laughs) for the rest of the time. Um, But firstly, just to say it's an incredible, just a privilege to be here. Um, I've been around, um, if I can say, around Glenridge, not at Glenridge, but around Glenridge people that have impacted literally the world. And so it really is a a privilege for me to be in a house that is really just so um, profoundly impacting in the nation and in the nations. And so um, I come from a church in Port Elizabeth called the Storehouse. There are very precious people sitting there. I just have to quickly tell you who they are. Well, I'm sure you know who they are. But um, uh, Ken and Dolores used to be in the Storehouse, like how many years ago? 20, even more, 20 odd years ago. Yeah, and so just part of our like foundation stones in the life of our church, and uh, she came today and to send goodies home for all her friends that she's still in contact with, so she's been baking, so it's wonderful to see you guys, yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and so I've got, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that Stan and Heather are involved in the transport of these fruitcakes, so they might not make it home <laughs> to Port Elizabeth, but they, they will be enjoyed as to whoever gets to eat them, and um and so, yes, as Stan said, I work uh, full-time for the church. This year is my 20th year on staff. I, I don't know what's happened to 20 years. I still feel 30. I'm not sure why everyone else thinks I'm older. But um, I still feel 30. And uh, so I've been on staff for 30 years. I primarily fulfill an administrative role in the life of the church and get to do, as you do when you're on staff, a little bit of everything else. And that does include ministry and preaching as well. But... Um, yeah, so my, my one day never looks the same as the other. Before I worked for the church, um, I studied, I did my nursing degree in um, nursing science, and so I used to deliver babies for a living um, in a private healthcare hospital in Port Elizabeth, and so that's my background in the hospital and medical. And um, I'm going to, I'm going to throw a little tip out just to start with. Often, the very things that you know a lot about, God will speak to you using those things, and we often go like oh, that, that must just be me because I come from a medical background or that must be me because I come from a farming background or I come from a mechanical background and that's why I'm, it must be, it's just me. And I think to myself, why would God speak to you in a language that's not something you're familiar with? And so just pay attention to those things because I think we often just discard them. And so um, I can't tell you how many words I've had around medical things and Trying to have prophetic words around babies and delivery, though, is quite tricky <laughs> without getting too gory. But um, that was my background before then. Um, and I live alone, so I am, if you're looking for the ring, there's one is still coming. Someone just needs to put one on the finger. But, um, yeah, we will, we will um, have a, a serious talk when he does arrive. Because clearly he's not the most front-footed, like, <laughs> guy, like this prophetic guy that can't hear much, so let's hope he has other gifting, <laughs> and, uh, or cash, I don't mind, <laughs> it's like, whatever, just give me a house or gifting, or both, that's fine, um, and so I have 
three fur babies that are that that um, I want to say I live with them because if you have cats, you do realise that they actually own the property and they're just renting to space to you. So um, they are being looked after by my beautiful niece. So they have a babysitter when I go away. And just to say that I love the prophetic. I love what it is that God does through the prophetic. Um, it's been a real journey. For me in the prophetic, I'd love to say one day I woke up and I just heard God really clearly and he just said to me, this is what you're going to do with your life. Wouldn't it be nice if life just worked like that? But literally for years, I didn't recognize what it was that was on my life. I didn't re recognize even that God was using me in the prophetic. It took other people recognizing it on my behalf and then trying to convince me for many years that it was there. And um, finally, the Lord sent some really um, strong prophetic people that didn't know me and literally said basically back up buttercup you've got to you've got to like go somewhere with us and so it's been a journey for me um as you know is this me is this god must i give this mustn't i give that how does that outwork in a local church having all the flaky stuff around the prophetic um, how do you navigate all of that and so um, i'm hoping just to share and impart some of the things that i've learned along the journey i by no means have arrived um, I still often feel as green every time I have to share, every time I need to, God says, can you say something on my behalf? I think like, how long have you been doing this? Why do you still feel green? And so I think that's it's a good place because you just always are growing and there's always something more for you. And um, so I would like us to start just, not that you need a warming up, but I thought just to start with a little bit of... Um, demonstration of something around the prophetic and so if you could maybe just the person that you're sitting next to um, I, I would prefer if you weren't spouses um, so if you are sitting next to your spouse and also that it's not necessarily with a, a, a cross gender because you're going to have to say not cross gender like that sounds terrible <laughs> and, uh, we know what you mean yeah they're not the same sex um because you're going to be saying some wonderfully encouraging things to people right now. So I'm just, it's sometimes a little awkward. Uh, yeah, it won't be him, yeah. <laughs> and so quickly just, I don't want this to be a big thing. So just literally just turn around, find somebody. It's not going to be long. Um, I want you just to grab someone's attention. sometime this morning that you might want to escape. <laughs> so this is your last time. <laughs> All right, so you've, you're ready. What I'd like you to do is have a look at the person that's in your group or opposite you. I don't want you to say anything. I just want you to look at them. And I want you to find one um, feature about them. It can be a physical feature, so um, their eyes or, you know, like you have eyes, eyes like mud pools. could be anything um, physical about them or it could be someone you know so you know something about their personality. And so the point of this is not prophetic. So you don't have to come up with something you didn't know before. You're working off knowledge. 
And so I want you to find something fantastic about them. And don't tell them yet. You're holding up all this goodness for a moment of release. So you've all identified either a characteristic or a physical, something physical around them. All right. Now I want you, before I, t before I give you the go, I want you to tell them what that characteristic is. I want you to encourage them in that characteristic. But I don't want you just to say, hey, dude, you've got great ears. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Hilton. <laughs> yeah, I want you to add some adjectives to it. I want you to go a little bit over the top in terms of how expressive you are around that characteristic. I want you to encourage them that after you encouraging them in this area that they never doubt that thing about themselves ever again. All right, so I want you to use lots of words. I want you to use lots of describing words. Um, and so I'm going to give you like a minute or two. All right, are you ready? Go for it. Hilton hasn't used all his words for one day, so he's still. Here you go, Chia. All right. So, by show of hands, how many of you feel like nice and warm and fuzzy? You feel encouraged? It's like, yeah, I feel fantastic. That was like a, a vitamin B shot. Like, oh, I didn't know I was so fantastic. Well, maybe you 
good that you've just realized it once again. How many of you felt when you were receiving the word, you started feeling a little awkward somewhere in the moment? You were going, okay, enough now. Thanks very much. That was great. Um, any awkward feelings? Any awkward, yeah, some awkward. There we go. The orcs, the orcs are here. Feeling a little awkward. How many of you felt a little awkward giving the encouragement? It's like, yeah, I can say this, but it just sounds like a little cheesy, little like, anyone feel a bit awkward doing that? All right. So that's completely normal. Because we live in an environment, we live in a country and we live in a world where they call it a tall poppy syndrome. Nobody wants anybody else to feel like they are too good in case they actually believe that. <laughs> and so we actually are not, we are not familiar and we're not comfortable often with receiving encouragement and receiving praise. And we also are not often um, comfortable with giving that type of praise. You know, you might sort of tap, you know, the good old South African, like three hugs and a tap and, oh, that was great, eh? Awesome. Like, and that's about all we can do. Three slaps on the back and we're all good. We don't, we haven't grown up in environments and cultures where encouragement is celebrated. Where it's like, man, you just need to blow wind in someone's sail. We'd rather say, actually, let's not, you know, let's not inflate their sails too much just in case they get a big head and, you know, go south from there. And so when it comes to the prophetic, when it comes to the prophetic in your own life, when it comes to hearing the voice of God for the local church, for other believers, for the lost, we need to understand that the language of heaven is a language of encouragement. The language of heaven is a language of encouragement. And so ultimately, as the Bible says in Corinthians, that the, the, the prophetic comes to strengthen, to encourage, to build up, to comfort. And so that feeling that you had when someone was encouraging you, that's what we are wanting to do. We want to come with the language of heaven, and we want to speak the language of heaven over people, which is a language of encouragement, a language of, man, I see what's in you, and I want to call that out. I see that gold in you. You might not see that, and other people might not see that, but God has shown me the gold he's put in you. And I'm going to call that gold out until I see it. And so we need to get comfortable with being able to encourage. And I often find people that are natural encouragers. You know those people that you're around that are just like, whenever you're with them, they're just like gushing how amazing you are. And you just feel encouraged and like you can do anything when you're with them people that can jump into the prophetic easier because it's a comfortable space for them and so sometimes in our personalities our makeup maybe the family you grew up in encouraging words and words of affirmation were not massive but it's something we need to get comfortable with in the prophetic because that's actually the language in the culture of heaven is of seeing who God what God's preferred future is over your life and calling that thing out over and over and over again and that's what the, the prophetic brings to the local church, is that we are wanting to bring the prophetic word to encourage the church, to say, this is God's preferred future for you as a church. This is God's preferred future for you as a couple, as a team, as a ministry. And we are going to keep calling that thing out and enc encouraging that until we see that. 
It's not to come, and I know Glenridge has a very rich prophetic, a healthy prophetic culture. <laughs> and so partly I'm like going, what do you share into a culture that's already just happening? Um, there's, there's, a, there's a depth and a maturity around, I feel, the prophetic at Glenridge. But it's to know that we come to call out the gold and to never stop doing that. Never stop looking with eyes of encouragement. And so often in churches we can come and we want to be the prophetic people or we hear the prophetic people because it's never us. That I was like, oh, this is wrong and this needs to change and this is, this is wrong in the church or in someone's life. No, actually we've been called to look for what God sees and to call that out. Um, and so I wanted to encourage you this morning around encouragement. If you want to grow in the prophetic, if you want to grow in hearing God's voice and God using you, grow in encouragement. Sometimes we think like, man, I've got to have this whole word. When I first started sort of um, dabbling in the prophetic, I wouldn't give a word unless I had the whole thing and I'd written it out and I'd checked it and I felt comfortable and I prayed about it and we were all like, okay, now we can release this. <laughs> but actually, there was just something of saying, man, I am going to, all I'm going to do is look for things and start calling them out. Look for whether they're prophetic, whether they are things that seem obvious, but to grow in that language of encouragement. Um, and just say, I'm just going to encourage wherever I am. Because as you start encouraging, can I say, as you start encouraging, you slip over into the prophetic really easily. It, there's like a fine line. And so um, I had the privilege of walking with a lady called Kiri Saudi, who was um, an incredibly prophetic woman. I mean, she could literally just read your mail. Uh, Dawny, you guys know her. Did you guys ever meet Kiri Saudi? And um, she just said to me, just always pray your best, most encouraging prayer. And you'll find that if, in, like somewhere along the line, you start prophesying without even trying. And so if you want to grow in the prophetic, grow in the language of heaven, which is one of encouragement, looking for the gold, looking for the gold over the church that you're a part of, looking for gold in the home group that you're in, the people that you work with. Um, look for the gold that God has and call that gold out until that thing is manifest and until you see it. And so I thought I just wanted to start off with that because the prophetic in the life of a church can either be a building gift or it can be a blessing gift. Now, neither is necessarily right or wrong, but there needs to be a fact that Jesus has given the gift of prophecy, the ability to hear his voice as a gift to the church, to encourage, to build up, to strengthen. And so I come going, this is not about me growing a ministry. This is not about me like, hey, God used me and I'm hearing God more accurately. I'm just going, no, I want to use this gift for the benefit of the church. And then we use the gift as a building gift and not just a blessing gift. Like, hey, let's just throw out little sweets and everyone gets a sweet and we all go home. <laughs> no, actually, that the prophetic builds something, it breaks something open in a church so that when the prophetic word has been released, when the, the, the voice of God is spoken in a meeting or a home group or in a conversation or a coffee or however God uses that, that something has been broken open and it has built something. It hasn't just been um, a little blessing and it's about me and it's about accuracy and how right we are. And those things are all important, but they're not the main thing. The main thing is that we are building what God is coming back for. That's what we are building. And so that allows me, and we, we'll have a look at that, to overcome all my fears and all my insecurities and all those things that hold you back. 
know if I'm the only insecure person in the room. Yeah, you all look super confident, super secure. But if you want to get in touch with your insecurities, just ask God to use you in the prophetic. You will find all sorts of insecurities coming up. All that like little bit of self and self-preservation and fear of man is going to come out in bucket loads. <laughs> and you're going to go, wonder, I'm such a wonderful person. <laughs> I'm just so I'm impressed by what's in my heart. And so, but it's when I keep the, the main thing, the main thing, that God has given this gift to the church for the church and for those that would still be added to the church. And then we keep the main thing, and that is to encourage, to strengthen, to build up. Um, and so there's many, many things I could share, many things I can, I think a lot of it you know in terms of where the gift fits in and all of those types of things. But before we get to any how-tos, the prophetic is often not about developing a gift. You can go and watch six online courses by lunchtime <laughs> on the prophetic, five how-to, five how-to-dos. My experience of the prophetic in people's lives, in churches' lives, in ministries, in whatever capacity, has got less to do with developing a gift and more to God developing who you are. And so for me, unfortunately, yeah. So unfortunately, when it comes, we just want to be able to say, have the gift, let's take it out the box. What are the instructions? One, two, three. Okay, switch this on, put this thing on, put the cup there, put the beans in, and then we have coffee. That is, we love that. We love things, well, I love things to work like that. Um, we want to be able to see, you know, give me five steps and then I have results. There's nothing wrong with that. But when it comes to the prophetic, it's not that simple. Because a lot of the prophetic is not just about the words you speak, but it's that which you impart with what you say and that which you carry when you say it. And so for me, the journey around the prophetic just personally, and if you look in Scripture at Elijah, you look at the prophets, you look at everybody that was used by God to speak on God's behalf, they weren't attending six courses and five online Bible schools. They were just going through the process of life. God was taking them through processes of refinement. He was checking what was in their heart. He was dealing with things. He was making them more reliant on him. And it was about him, about him and not about them. It was about what he was building and not what they were building. And so the prophetic for me is often around actually developing us as opposed to developing the gift, um, if that makes any sense to you. And so you might think, well, hey, I just wanted to come and get three easy steps on how to prophesy. Can I, people say to me, how many levels of the prophetic do you, do you minister on? Like, like, you know, is there level one? And then once you've finished level one, you go to level two. And I'm like going, I'd, I'd love to sound important and amazing, but I'm like going, no, actually, you ask God, he tells you, and then you're obedient. And there we have the prophetic. <laughs> and sometimes we complicate it. But what I want to say is there are many levels of process and refinement that come in developing the gift in your life where you want to say, hey, God, I want to be used in this gift regularly, accurately, and that there is encouragement and fruitfulness that comes. And so I think the first thing with regards to the prophetic is that it's not a performance gift. The prophetic is not a performance gift. Same with worship. Anything that's up front, so whether you're preaching, teaching, you're leading worship, you're bringing prophetic words, you're bringing 
contributions, maybe in a meeting or a home group, there is generally profile because somebody else will see what you're doing. And so for me, I think when we realize that our ability to hear God and our ability to prophesy, our ability to be, um, to be an encouragement has got absolutely nothing to do with our worth, our value, or our identity in terms of that it qualifies me. The reason that I can hear God's voice is because it's my birthright. So when Jesus died on the cross, before we get to the gifting and the anointing and all those other wonderful things, I can hear the voice of God because it is simply my birthright. Jesus died on the cross, and when he died on the cross, he said, my sheep will hear my voice. (laughs) My sons and daughters will hear my voice, not because they're spectacular or anything that they did, but because of what I did. And so then I can't take any credits. I can't get all involved in like, this is my gift and this is my ministry. No, actually, I'm just, I'm just actually functioning in, in what Jesus did for me. And so you could have a real rich dad. I don't know how many of you have had dads that just, you're just going to get a truckload of inheritance when they shuffle off this earth. And you can say, I'm fantastic, but actually you're not. Your dad worked for that and you just got it for free. <laughs> And so when it comes to hearing God's voice, it's got nothing to do with performance. It's got nothing to do with, I fasted for five days and I prayed for 10 hours and I I, I labored and I did all of this and then God used me. Because what comes with that type of thinking is that every time I need to do that or every time God wants to use me, then that's what it's got to look like. And that's based on my effort and my performance where he's going, no, actually it was on my effort and my performance on the cross (laughs) that you are able to be able to hear the voice of God. And so I stand and I'm going, you know what? And I know this sounds sacrilegious and I'm almost going to contradict myself in a minute. I don't know how many of you have ever come to church. I know none of you that have spouses have ever fought with your spouse on the way to church. Like never happens. No one's like ever kicked the dog that weed on the floor just before you came to church. Like, you know, you've all come to church, prayed up, spiritual, as you get out the car, the glow of the anointing is upon you. As you enter the building, people just make a way for you. You know, like, I know that's just normal life for all of you, but for me, on the other hand, I get to church and I'm thinking like, Jesus, we've been like cooking for 100 people and we've had this to do and that to do. And actually, I'm not even sure if I prayed in the last three days. I know that's only me. I know like like Stan wakes up and prays five hours before anyone else gets up. But like I'm like, my life just doesn't look like that always. Sometimes I've got to go on trips, like ministry trips, and I'm just going, Jesus, I wish I had five more minutes to pray <laughs> before we had to do this. And what I've, ha- what I've learned over the years with the prophetic is the enemy wants to disqualify us, and he uses a disqualification tactic to say, I, you can't be used in this moment because you haven't put the work in. And so actually you standing here as a bit of a fake and a bit of a charlatan and a bit of like, and everyone thinks now you're all spiritual because you're hearing the voice of God and you haven't opened your Bible for two weeks. Now I'm not recommending that. Please hear that. <laughs> Please hear what I'm saying and not what I'm not saying. I wouldn't recommend that. It's like living on a diet with no greens and no vegetables. Eventually you will get sick. But I'm trying to break a mindset of that it's based on what we can do and on what we have done and what our 
last 24 hours look like that God can use me today? Now, actually, you can be sitting there, have just had a fight with your spouse, kicked the dog, shouted at the car guard, cut somebody off with the robot. You can get to church and God say, I want you to bring a word. And you're going, what? Like, I'm not doing that. And in that moment, what will stop you from God using you is the fact that you think, I haven't done enough to be able to stand here. I'm not feeling qualified to stand here right now. And that's based on the, on, the, on the assumption that we don't actually understand what happened on the cross. That Jesus died and I can hear his voice as clear as day because it's my birthright. I mean, you can have a, a, a really rich dad that has done everything and you can be like the worst child ever. I mean, you rebel, you steal your dad's stuff, you can do whatever, but at the end of the day, you're still his son and the inheritance is still yours. Now I'm not advocating be the rebellious son or daughter. We'll get to that. But man, we first need to break a lie over our lives that God can only use us and only speak to us and only use us in the prophetic when we have done the work and we have put in everything and then he can use us. Now he's already put in the work and therefore I, as a son and a daughter, can hear his voice like that. And I should hear his voice firstly out of a place of birthright and not out of a place of performance or gifting or anointing or any one of those things. And so a prophetic heart, to have a prophetic heart, to live a prophetic lifestyle and not be disqualified by the, the, work, the words and the works of the enemy is to know who you are, whose you are and what he's already done. And I don't need to redo that every time God wants to use me. And there are people in churches today that are, feel disqualified, whether they're preaching, whether they're leading worship, whether they need to bring a prophetic word, whether God wants you to pray for someone for healing, and we go, mm, I can't do that today. Not feeling anointed today. <laughs> not, not, uh, like, no, like my life doesn't look, it's not sorted. Let me first go sort myself out, and then, I'll, then God can use me. Now, actually, God sorted it all out on the cross. <laughs> And yes, we are a work in progress and there's a sanctification that's happening in all of our lives. But we're not going to get to that perfect moment where we are perfectly in line and everything is lining up and we've had 10 quiet times and we've spent six hours in worship and we didn't eat for 20 days. And don't do that unless Jesus tells you (laughs) because that's just suffering for no real good purpose. (laughs) We do say fasting is skipping breakfast and having an early lunch. That's a wonderful way of fasting. Um, but there is something of Jesus has done it all. And so God can use us, whether it's to pray for healing, whether it's to pray for the prophetic, whether it's to preach, whether it's to do whatever God's called you to do based on what he's done, not based on what I have done. And so that's the first mind shift and mindset change that we need to have for God to use us. I've heard the most prophetic words from the most unprophetic people. Why? Why? Because they're not operating out of gift and anointing and qualification. They're operating out of the fact that it's their birthright to hear the voice of God and they've made themselves available. And that's when we become a prophetic church. We don't have a prophetic team. Now, I'm all for prophetic teams, so please hear me. It's like we all can be worshippers in the church, but we're not going to give everybody a microphone for the sake of our ears. And (laughs) we're not going to let everyone just loose. But we are all worshippers. We are all prophetic. And we can all operate um, because of our birthright as sons and daughters. So 
we need to just shift that whole mindset. What does that lead to? See, when I get that mindset, when I get that mindset shifted in my head, then anything is possible. Then God, that, that, that's out of the way. And because of what Jesus has done on the cross, then I want to come. I want to come. Not because I have to come, because if I put this coin into the slot machine, then I can pull this out. That's not how gift works. The gift doesn't work on what I can put in is what I get out. But because of what he's done, that makes me want to put in more. And so for growing in the prophetic, as much as we can do exercises and we will do some of those things and we can activate, and the best way to learn to prophesy is to prophesy. (laughs) Just you want to learn how not to do it, prophesy. You want to learn how to do it, prophesy. (laughs) Just keep doing it. But for me, often the prophetic is more of an inside job. It's what God is doing in my heart and what I believe in my head and how those two things work together. And because of what he's done, because he's like going, I'll use you because of what I've done, not because of what you've done, that makes me go, wow, Jesus, like I want to be used by you. I want to be with you. I want to spend time with you. I want to hear, I want to read what the word says so that I can encourage other people out of the word. I want to be in worship and be full of your anointing. I want to be able to carry that so that I'm not just bringing words, but there's an anointing that breaks the yoke when the word comes. And those things are all important and those things are all there. But none of those things qualifies to hear the voice of God. They can help us, but they don't qualify us to be able to hear the voice of God. And so it's not out of obligation that we do things, but out of love and out of relationship with him. So if you want to grow in the prophetic, give yourself to growing in good theology around what Jesus has done and become a healed vessel. Once we've settled in our head and in our heart what Jesus has done and what I can do as a result, I can tell you now that any gift, whether it's, the, whether it's healing, whether it's the prophetic, whether it's faith, whether it's miracles, whether it's preaching, that thing will exponentially grow because there's a security that comes from what he has done and not what I have to do. Um, so I want to encourage you in that. So that's in our relationship with Jesus, our heart. Our, and can I say, does worship help? Does spending time in the word help? Does praying help? Absolutely. But once again, it doesn't qualify me. And so the way I put this is if you grew up, okay, let's say you're under 50, <laughs> maybe even under 45, you grew up with radios that weren't digital. So you didn't digitally find a station. You actually turned a button. I know like for some of you, many of us know that. You know the radios, you actually turned the button and you went, and you sort of keep turning it and keep turning And eventually it's like, welcome to Bay FM or whatever your place is called. You sort of find it and it's scratchy and all of a sudden you can hear the guy, but there's a whole lot of scratching. And then all of a sudden you find the station and then it's like, hey, I can hear clearly. The fact that I can hear and that I have a radio is the fact that I have birthright. That's, I, can, I can get the signal. That's got nothing to do with who I am. But the clarity with which I hear and the regularity with which I hear brings me onto the station more clearly when I am in the Word 
and I am praying and I am worshiping. So those things are not qualifications. I got the radio for free. The signals are all there. I just need to tune myself into those things. And so a lifestyle of worship, a lifestyle of the word, a lifestyle of prayer definitely helps that. And it helps for me to not hear the static and to hear the clarity, to quieten all the other voices. And that comes by living a lifestyle. And once again, that's all about developing us and not necessarily developing the gift. Are you all still with me? Good. All right. So that's now in my relationship with Jesus, being comfortable with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I think I'm speaking to the choir here, but it's who my father is, what my inheritance is, what Jesus did as my birthright, and thirdly, having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And can I say, understanding that the gift, so firstly I hear out of a birthright, but then I hear because there's a gift given to the church to encourage the church. And that is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to give you like literally two minutes explanation. We have, there are four reasons you can hear the voice of God. And at any one time, you are going to be operating out of one of these four places. So the first place we've just covered, I am a son and daughter of God. My birthright is to hear the voice of God. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, everybody can hear the voice of God. In 1 Corinthians 12, it speaks about the manifestation gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit within you, if you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, if the gifts of God are active and in your life, you can access any one of those gifts, one being prophecy, others being healing, miraculous powers, faith, You can access any of those gifts at any time because the Holy Spirit lives in you. So my birthright, I'm full of the Holy Spirit, and therefore any of the gifts can manifest, including the the voice of God. The third place is Romans 12. So Romans 12 speaks about the grace gifts, one of those being prophecy. I might be functioning out of a place of a grace gift on my life. The people that are functioning in prophecy in this and hearing God's voice out of this part of scripture will do it more regularly. They'll do it more accurately and with more authority because there's a special grace on their life in that particular gift. And so I'm either hearing from being a son and a daughter, I'm hearing from being filled with the Holy Spirit, or I'm hearing from a fact that there is a special grace on my life to hear the voice of God. I'm aware that there is a grace upon my life in the area of the prophetic. So a lot of people say, aren't you exhausted? Aren't you like, after you've done that, aren't you so tired? And doesn't it tire you out? And I'm like going, I'd love to say yes, because then I would be involved. All I'm doing is being obedient and giving what God has. But I understand and I experience the fact that there is a grace upon my life that is not, I didn't do anything for it. It's there and that you feel like you can walk into that. And then the last place that we can hear the voice of God from is Ephesians 4. So your birthright, Jesus dying on the cross, 1 Corinthians 12 from through the Holy Spirit manifestation gifts, uh, Romans 12, the grace gifts, and then Ephesians 4, which is the office of prophet, evangelist, teacher, pastor. And there will be some, not all, in 1 Corinthians 12, it's each one, every person that's filled with the Holy Spirit in the grace gifts, it's some were given, and in Ephesians 4, even less, some are given, not everybody. 
then that's another place that you could operate out of the prophetic. And so those are the places that we can hear the voice of God. But the, 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 the common denominator between all those places is our relationship with Jesus, the relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so for many of us, we might not operate and hear the voice of God out of Romans 12 or Ephesians 4, the grace gifts or the office gifts, but we are all filled with the Holy Spirit. And we need to be comfortable with the things of the Spirit when it comes to prophecy. And the reason I say that, and it's not just to have a theology around the Holy Spirit. It's to have an experience of the Holy Spirit in our lives every day. And so for me, it's been a journey of, of getting to know the Holy Spirit and being comfortable with the, the way the Holy Spirit moves. Does that make sense to you? So I know in this room, if I had to ask and go around, people would have like different, you know, like I'm comfortable with that in the Holy Spirit and someone else will go like, no, I'm not comfortable with that in the Holy Spirit. But can I say, if the Holy Spirit is going to use you and you're going to surrender fully, you've got to be comfortable with whatever he asks you to do or to say. And so when God sometimes wants to give us something, it's not even to say something. Maybe he wants us to do something. Maybe it's a demonstration of something. Maybe we have to go and tell somebody something. Maybe we need to go and buy somebody something. <laughs> There's a whole lot of, and we need to be comfortable with the Holy Spirit using us as healed vessels. So we've looked at the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Operating in the prophetic, the heart of the prophetic, is also where God has put us in a group in relationships to operate in the prophetic. The most dangerous prophetic gifts often are prophetic gifts that are not in relationship with anybody else. And I'm not talking just about ministries and you know people that are out there doing this for a living type of thing. I'm talking about anybody that wants to be used by God. There's something of a safety that comes when we operate in hearing God's voice and using it as a gift in the local church when we do it in relationship one with another. Firstly, it's just way more fun to do in team. <laughs> Man, I'm like going, sometimes I would just, I'd love to have people around me to be able to prophesy because one hears something, somebody else hears something, and so that team operating in a team. And I often say to guys, if you have a word for someone, don't go alone. Don't go and do parking lot prophecies and like, I'm going to get you in the corner and we're going to have a quick little prophetic ta-ta-ta. <laughs> no, always invite somebody with you. It's for your protection and it's for their protection. So it brings safety, those relationships. Um, there's credibility that comes when it's in relationship and there's accountability. And so, yes, we, it's, it's about our heart before Jesus. It's about growing in relationship with him and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and the gifts. But sometimes it's just doing some wise things on earth. <laughs> and when we're in relationship, I want to encourage you to use the prophetic gift and hearing the voice of God for other people. Always do it in relationship. Always do it as a team. Always take someone with you. Because that is safety that God has put the prophetic into. So we can go off and do our own thing here, but can I say you're all on your own out there. <laughs> do it in team. Do it in relationship. Um, yeah. uh, let me see where I am. Okay, I'm going to get us to do something just to get our bottoms to move a little bit. I 
I want you to, this time you can just whoever sitting next to you, as unless this person actually lives with you. So if the person lives with you, you can't pair up with them. So just find someone that's never been in your bedroom. That must be pretty simple in this room. <laughs> and if it's not, then we need to have another, another course for that one. All right, everybody got somebody. Stan, you can grab the dude that walked in the back there. All right, everybody got somebody. Because you've been listening, you, know, you can be with a boy now. This is purely factual. This has got nothing to do with emotional encouragement and nice fuzzy words. If you need to be th three in the group, that's just okay. Do you need? You can join a group, a group of two. There we go. Anybody? All right. Everyone got somebody? Okay. All right. So we're still working on the fact that the prof that the prophetic is not just a learning about a, a bunch of rules and strategies. It's actually about developing who God's made us to be and have the prophetic work through us. So we've been looking at relationship, identity, where that comes from. What I want to look at now is point number two, which I'm not going to tell you about until you've done the exercise. This is now really when you're not allowed to leave the room. So I want you to close your eyes for one second. A little hint about the prophetic. If you ask God something, go with the first thing he gives you, not the tenth thing that you've been bugging him for. All right. So I want you to ask the Lord or the Holy Spirit to reveal to you something in this person's bedroom. So it can be a color, it can be a picture, it can be, okay, you're not allowed to say, I see a bed, or I see a desk, or I see a light. That's cheating, like, sorry. So if that was the first thing you were hearing, you just set your bar way too low. So I want you to raise that bar a little bit. And so the first thing, you can, can be a picture, it can be a color, it can be a pattern that you see. Um, I want you just to, that first thing that comes to mind. So don't go through the list of possible things that it could be. The first thing that comes to mind. So you might see a color, you might see a print, you might see carpeting, flooring, I don't know, anything. All right, I want you to quickly tell the person what you've seen. Don't think too hard about it. take long, you're just literally giving one little thing that you've okay <clears throat> right, we're not doing a home makeover show we just are one thing that you're finding in their room don't comment on their day call Just think of Stan in the bedroom, like not Heather. <laughs> All right. Shh. Okay, everyone, shh. you should have shared it. You're just seeing one thing, people. You're not giving a commentary on their decor. All right. Well, I want to see a show of hands. How many of you got it right? So you actually saw something accurate. Okay, we have one right la lady at the back there. 
Gussie. Okay, time to change those carpets, Hilton. <laughs> That's a word of knowledge. She didn't tell me that before the time, just telling you. Brown is very last season, so just just saying. Alright, any other any other guy got it wrong? Yes. What did you Wonderful. Okay, wonderful. So you got the color right. Anybody else? What did you get? Turquoise glass. And who's got the turquoise glass? Turquoise. Oh, wonderful. What did you guys get? Okay. Windows. You do have big windows, lots of lights. Awesome. Well done, guys. Anyone on this side? You guys? A tapestry rug. Wow, that's pretty awesome. Oh, wow. That's amazing. I once in this workshop, I had somebody that saw a very specific international soccer player poster on the wall, and it was like that person. Okay, so now how many of you have got British roots in this room? Some British roots. So now, if you know anything about Brits, when they clap, they don't like go to Kira like the South Africans at a rugby match. They do like a three-finger like little... So for those of you that got it right, I'd like you just to give them like a little British clap. It was wonderful. Well done, guys. Awesome. Okay, now I want to see a show of hands. How many of you got it so spectacularly wrong? It was like, yes, just be loud and proud. You got it wrong. Hilton. Yeah, that's also wrong. Like, sorry, you just like completely missed it. All right, just own your missing it. Own your getting it wrong. Wonderful. Keep your hands up, those that got it wrong. This is not a name and shame. I'd like the rest of us to like clap for the spring box like when they score up in the last. There we go. Great. No British claps. What on the point is this woman telling us to get things wrong? No, it's not what I'm telling you. But something of developing our lives to be positioned to be used in the prophetic is to learn to step out in obedience and that heaven celebrates obedience before it celebrates accuracy. Heaven celebrates obedience over accuracy. Now, am I asking you to get it wrong? No. <laughs> but I want you to know the fact that you tried and you stepped out and the fact that you are going to pray for someone tomorrow or this week or send someone a message you need to know that there is a reward connected to works of obedience. Your rewards one day when you stand before the throne of God, and we will do that and get rewards, is not connected to whether you got it right or wrong. Your reward is connected to obedience. If you want to build a culture of anything in the life of the church, you build um, a culture of celebrating obedience over the fact of success. So whether that's healing, whether that's prophecy, so we can say like, you know, I went to the shopping center and there were like six people. They were like all in the disabled section and they were all in wheelchairs and I prayed for all of them and not one of them got healed. You think like massive fail. Like, No, actually, you need to know that heaven celebrates the fact that you actually prayed. And so often we are so connected to like, it's got to be right, it's got to be, I've got to be, it's connected to the fruit, which has got nothing to do with you anyway, 
heaven celebrates our obedience. And so the reason I got us cheering the guys that got it wrong is if you are going to step out in the prophetic and hearing the voice of God, the one thing you need to be super comfortable with is getting it wrong. (laughs) It's not if you get it wrong. It's when you get it wrong. But when me getting it right becomes the main point, that brings in fear, it brings in fear of man, it brings in performance, it brings in all of those things that are not helpful. But when my goal is obedience, it brings a whole different view to things. Because then I'm going, my only responsibility is to be obedient. What God does with that, how it came out, I do the best I can, But the fact was that my reward and the celebration of heaven is over the fact that I was obedient. And so I'm going to step out a lot more. I'm going to risk a lot more when I'm not so worried about the results. The only thing I'm concerned about is honoring him and being obedient to his voice. Am I going to miss it sometimes? Absolutely. Like people say, well, what happens if I get it wrong? Then you just go, I'm so sorry. I got it wrong. (laughs) But we, 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 we don't want to step out. We don't want to risk. I remember being in a church um, down, the, down the garden route, you know, that really terrible part of South Africa where like, we go on holiday. Um, we were at a church, and I woke up that morning, and I said, God, I'm tired of being vague. Like, I don't want to be vague. Like, I want you to give specific things because I know what it's like to receive specific words. So I'm prepared to step out and be specific. So I said, can we, like, can we bump up the accuracy level here? Just, just asking. Could we like just bump this thing up? Huh? I'm asking for a friend. It's like, not about me, you know? It's like for other people, Jesus, is for your church. Why wouldn't you want to bump up my accuracy level? And I just, it was the most simple thing. I thought like there'd be this download, there'd be this epiphany of angels that appear in my room. I thought like gold cups and senses would be poured upon my lips. But all I felt God is say, just do what I tell you and say what you hear. I was going, that sounds super simple. And he said, because this is not, a, you are going after the wrong thing. If you want to become more accurate, if you want to risk more, if you want to go bigger, the level of obedience is going to have to go up. And so for me, whether, this is just a side note, the prophetic I think you guys can handle this. Are you a non-religious bunch? Okay, great. I can say this. And now you can't say afterwards I had a problem with it. Otherwise, but anyway. So, the, I've worked with, uh, I studied nursing and part of my nursing training was in psychiatry. And so we did a lot of work with addicts and addictions. And often with drug addictions, one of the first drugs that they start with is is Dachau dope or marijuana, and that becomes a gateway drug to a lot of other things. So now, yes, I'm going to make the jump from the dope to the prophetic, but just here, the principle of what I'm saying is that the prophetic is not always around the word, like at a meeting over a microphone. It's like the gateway gift that opens things to a whole lot of other things. And so sometimes being prophetic doesn't mean standing up going, Dawn, this is what God says. No, actually being prophetic means God has told me to go and pray for Dawn because there's something physically wrong with her. That is as prophetic as giving her a word. 
And so the prophetic will often unlock, and so the obedience part of the prophetic will unlock not only prophetic words, but prophetic actions. So I might wake up one morning and I'm going, I don't know why I'm thinking about Heather. She's just on my mind all the time. And I feel like, I don't know why, but I just think I must take Heather a meal (laughs) or I must cook her something. And so I get up, I'm obedient, I go and go to the shop, I buy stuff, I make it, or you just go to buy the Woolies and buy an oven meal, but whatever, just some tips for you. But I go to her house and I give it to her. And I get to Heather's house and I give her my wonderfully prepared pie from from Woolies, and I give it to her and she just bursts into tears. And I'm going, what? And she says, no, this morning I was just this to God and this God. And I thought, God, I don't even have energy to make a meal today. And yeah, you are. God has heard me and God has provided a meal. Can I say that is a work of obedience that is prophetic. So often we think, oh, I've got to have a word on a Sunday or a home group or something like that. No, actually, being a prophetic people is listening to the voice of God and being obedient to whatever he tells us. And so today it might look like a word. Tomorrow it might look like a song. Someone else might have a picture. Someone else will need to take a meal to somebody. Someone else feels like they need to go and visit somebody. All those are prophetic actions and they are works of obedience. And for me, the prophetic is primarily a work of obedience. It's just saying, this is what God wants to do. I'm going to be obedient, risk it. Heaven's going to celebrate that obedience. There are rewards connected to my obedience in that moment. And I'm going to do the best I can to outwork what it is that I'm hearing, feeling, sensing, seeing. And that might look like a word. That might look like a meal. That might look like a WhatsApp. That might look like a prophetic song. You never know. So once we know who we are, and once we know what heaven celebrates... The prophetic takes on a whole different viewpoint. And so for me, yes, do I ask God for accuracy? Do I ask God, I don't want to be wrong, because then what's what's the point? But when I don't focus on the fact that I've just got to get it right. I was saying, I think I mentioned it to the elders last night. There's a way that you are surely never going to hear the voice of God. And it's the way we all try. It's called the prophetic constipated face. Where we just try so hard. It's like, I've got to get this right. And we ask God to show us that thing in the bedroom. And it's like, oh, I can't hear. I'm going to try. But it's a work of the flesh. Rather than saying, you know what? I'm just going to allow the voice of God to come. And I'm just going to be obedient to what it is. And it takes out, like, I've got to get it right. I've got to write it all down. Can I say, when I prophesy over people, generally I have nothing when I look at that person. Like nothing. Like there is like a blank canvas. There's nothing. Nada. And it's literally as I start pulling on one thing. There's one word of obedience. There's one thing I feel like I need to do. I was in a church recently in, um, in Europe. And it's like not the most free country in terms of like charismatic stuff. And God highlighted this young guy in the meeting to me. And I thought, oh, my word. What do I need to do now? I had no idea what I wanted to say to him. All I saw was him running around the building. Like, he must get out of his chair and he must start running around the building. And I was going, I am not doing this, people. (laughs) Like, I'm not sure if people are comfortable with, like, raising their hands further than lifting the TV worship. You know, that worship where it's like I'm carrying the TV. 
I'm like now going to ask this young guy who might or may not be saved. He might be a visitor. I don't know. I'm going to ask him now to run around the building. But you know what? For me, it wasn't about necessarily like, is this right? Is this wrong? What's going to happen? I just thought I have to. There was a compulsion that I needed to be obedient to what it is that God wanted me to do. And so I just said, this guy at the back there, I feel like you need to just run around the building. This guy jumps out of his seat and starts like tearing around the building. I'm like going, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) But that thing could have gone completely sideways. But my point wasn't about me. It wasn't about whether this was going to make me look great or not or whether he was going to do it. My only priority in that moment was to be obedient to what I saw. That's all I can do in the moment with the person that's in front of me. And often as you take that first step of obedience, that first word, that first little thread that you pull on a, on a garment, all you can see is the little head of that thread. But as you start pulling it, what happens? More and more comes. More and more comes. And so obedience um, over accuracy. And if you battle with fear in your life, they always say perfect love casts out fear. Well, what does love look like in the Bible? It's being obedient to Jesus. Do you love him? Be obedient. And so for me, fear of man over the years has been a giant that I've had to slay. And I wish I could say I cut its head off once and it never resurrected. But every time I walk into a meeting, every time I get a microphone, Every time God asks me to do something, that little giant just stands up in front of me. You'd think like after a couple of years of doing this, that would be gone. (laughs) Now, fear will never go away. You just learn how to slay it in the moment. And the way you slay fear in the moment is by putting obedience over all things. You see, because my need to please the Father not out of performance, but out of love, that I want to do what he asks me to do, allows me to overcome the fear in the moment. And I say, this is what I need to do. This is what God's asked me to do. And I'm going to love the person in front of me. And I'm just going to be obedient with what I have. And so a lot of times people say, oh, do you have a whole lot of stuff before the time? Sometimes I do, especially if I'm preparing sort of for churches and words like that. But often in the one-on-one prophetic thing, do you have like a whole lot of stuff? And I'm like going, no, I'm like battling fear from the door to the pulpit, you know. I'm like, my coffee cup is like doing this and then like the, the bathroom break is not necessarily about the bathroom. <laughs> it's just about like, okay, I'm going to cut this thing's head off right now because we have to do this. And it's every moment just saying, I can, I can either give in to fear or I can be obedient. Those are my two choices. And this is more than the prophetic. This is just God using you. And so when you're in that moment where you feel like fear is overwhelming you, fear, and that can happen in the pulpit, that can happen in business, that can happen in your family. You say, I will not allow fear to take a foothold here. Because once that thing, you give it access and you give it authority, that's the end of it. To say, no, I choose obedience over fear in this moment. I choose pleasing him over pleasing you or other people in the room. And so for me, obedience um, is it. I think we are going to, do you want to have a quick break? And then we can come back and maybe do a little bit uh, more activation. What time? It's now 20 past 10. 10 minutes, okay. Maybe just...
Okay, is everyone got good caffeine levels going? All awake? You're all with me? Don't worry, I'm not going to do like a whole hour. We've got about a, like an hour or so left. Um, we're not going to do a whole lot of teaching. I thought we could just activate and get the gift flowing. There we go. <laughs> All right. Before we get, before we kick off into sort of like a workshoppy, we're going to activate some things, pray over some people. Are there any questions? Like something you want to ask? There's nothing too, too obvious to ask or non-obvious to ask. No right or wrong. You must have some burning questions. It just helps me to. Yes. Yes. Good. Good. We need to get comfortable with missing it every now and then. <laughs> All right. Any other questions? Something you asked, don't understand, want a bit of clarity on? Yes, please. Good question, which I'll maybe answer in a bigger sort of context. And so for me, the something of learning the, the heart, that language of heaven that I spoke about, which is encouragement, is also learning the language of the spirit. And so each one of us have a different language. And so um, I always say God is speaking all the time, but he doesn't speak English. And so often we miss the voice of God, not because he's not speaking, but because we're not necessarily tuned into the language that he speaks. And so for me, the language of the spirit is we are wanting the writing on the wall, or we want it a specific way, or we want a dream, or we want... But to know that your language with God will be unique. Um, and so the way I hear God, the way Dawn hears God, the way Hilton hears God, we all hear God differently. And sometimes it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But then there are people that will often have a predominant language. Um, this is just a little theory I have. I'm going to throw this theory out there. And you can either take it or leave it. The way that you best process or learn information. So like when you're at school or you're learning something new, how do you process information? Are you an auditory learner? Are you a visual learner? Are you a kinetic learner? Um, do you learn best around, you connect with things emotionally? Because I often think the way that we are wired to process normal information is often the way we will hear God's voice. If that, it's, it's, That's not a proven biblical thing. That's just something I've noticed. People, that if you visually, so when I learned at school and at varsity, I would often use colors and organograms and a lot of pic pictorial things to retain information. Um, and so God speaks to me a lot through pictures. So I'll get pictures, and I don't always know what they mean. Sometimes it's like a story that sort of carries on. But there's the language of the Spirit. And if we understand what the languages are, we'll, we can pick them up. And so one of the languages is dreams. And other, some people dream, some have interpretations of dreams. Some have pictures. Some of you have feelings, like God often speaks to you through impressions or feelings. Some of you are like... Man, God only ever speaks to me out of the scripture. 
there's the language. Some of you, there's that still small voice. Um, some of you hear things like it feels like someone's, not the audible voice of God, but you feel like, man, I, I hear this phrase or this thing keeps going on in my mind. And so it's a great question because I think we do have a predominant language that we learn with God. And that comes with history. And so for me, I know that pictures that I have in my mind are not just random pictures that are there for no reason. I've learned to pay attention to the pictures. I've learned to pay attention to that like feeling, that still small voice, that little nudge, you know, someone's face, a picture of someone's face popping into my mind. And so we could, let's say God wants to speak to Janine, and he's going to use different people. To one person, he can, he can say the same thing, but to one person, he's going to give them a picture. Someone else dreamt about Janine. Someone else was reading scripture and they felt a scripture for her. Someone else was um, sitting and they just had a feeling come into their heart when they were thinking about her. And so you can have the same person that's getting a word, but God's going to speak it to you through the language that you understand and that you best get. So yes, I do dream. It's not my primary way of hearing the Lord, um, but I do dream a lot. And so I've had to learn to pay attention to my dreams because sometimes we just go random dream, pizza dream, you know, had read me too late. And it's you've got to write it down straight away. Don't sort of, because if you think I'm going to remember it at 9 o'clock this morning or 10 o'clock, it's gone. So have the habit, if, you dream, if you're a dreamer, to write those things down. Because I've had dreams where I think at the time they're not significant. And then later on things happen and I go, oh my word, I had a dream about that. And so make an intentional effort to have an iPad, an iPhone, because Android's from the devil, but just have one of those <laughs> like things next to your, to your bed, have a journal, have a pen, and actually <laughs> preach it. I just lost half the room. And, um, but actually make a point of writing it down. Put the date, even if you don't know what it means, write down what you think it could mean, um, and pray about that. There are some people that are really gifted. One of our elders is particularly gifted. So he dreams, and he has an amazing ability to interpret dreams. But that's his gifting. That's his, la that's his language. Like his wife um, owns a, quite a big business in town, and he has had like, like profoundly prophetic dreams around her business and things that they needed to be careful of, um, things that were going to happen in the business that because he had that dream, they didn't do, and as a result, the business didn't um, have problems. And so it's a very powerful language. And so, but it takes actually intentionality in writing it down. Absolutely, because there are, trust me, you can find books on the internet in bookshops that like cover every possible dream you could ever have. And if the budgie was yellow or red and if it flew from the left or the right of the page, like the dream, it can just get weird. <laughs> but there definitely are principles around dreams that you can apply to interpreting them. And so, yeah, absolutely. Find guys that can help you with that. Um, I'll often send him the dreams. I'll just send him a voice note and say, I had this dream last night, like feel it significant, don't know what it means. What do you feel on that? And so... Mm. Uh, so the, um, the, the thing of 
sort of um, a musician doing a song down there is saying mm. you're a business guy mm. and how do I do that? Mm. Is that an extension of the prophetic? Or is that because it's not necessarily related to work and to give me a church and a word of encouragement? Mm. Mm. Or is that something else? I believe that's a hundred percent prophetic. So for me, the prophetic is not just about giving a person a word. That's one expression of the prophetic. But for me, the prophetic broadly is hearing the voice of God in your context. So it could be business, it could be a school, it could be wherever you are. It could be a home group. It can be in or outside the church, hearing that voice and actually acting upon what it is that he said. And it's not always going to be verbal. Sometimes it's actually going to be an action. And so I feel like the prophetic has actually been boxed a lot just into church life. And it's like, this is what it must look like. And it's got to fit this where I actually think God's got a prophetic businessman. He's got prophetic teachers. He's got people that are out there that he's going to download um, creative ideas, designs. You've got engineers that I believe will sleep at night and have downloaded dreams of something they'll design. And so um, I believe the prophetic actually needs to um, to expand rather than be boxed. And so, yeah, for me, it's not just this that we're doing today and just prophesying over someone. That's what we have learned in the church as the traditional, that's what we do. But for me, I'm going, man, I want to see the prophetic being used in business, in schools, in design work in all sorts of things like I think the best most creative things should be coming out of the church because God can just give it to you you know it's like you don't even need to be brainy or (laughs) super talented you can just like man I know what that means Um, I've I've actually known of people that have um, literally they were designing something at work and no one could come up with a workable solution and this Christian that was in the business literally went to sleep they had a dream. The whole design was given them in the dream. They went to the office the next morning, put the diagram on the table, and everyone just like went, we have been trying for like months to figure this out. How did that happen? And they just said like, well, God just gave it to me in a dream. And they like, and everyone's like, oh, like, and let's see if it's going to work. And it literally worked. And so I believe that that needs to be um, be seen way more than just what we're doing in church. This is a small part of the of, of what it is that the prophetic does. Okay, any other questions? Yeah. Numbers, that you're seeing numbers a lot. So once again, for me, that's symbolic language. So often dreams can be symbolic dreams or symbolic pictures that you're seeing. So you first got to say, is this literal or is this figurative or symbolic? And so like with dreams, there's principles connected to those. So I know there's some people that are particularly good I'm particularly not good <laughs> at um, there's certain numbers that if you keep seeing them and they have meaning and certain numbers mean you know celebrations and it's connected and so I think it depends how far and how much God wants to use that in your life as to how far you develop it it's not something that's mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I know that. So for me, I'm, I am a hundred percent behind the fact that God uses that stuff. So I'm not saying that like, oh, it's not. Yeah, 
how to grow that type of thing. I think there is a lot of people and there's a lot of stuff. You've just got to be careful what you read and where you read it from. But there are guys that have written stuff around what you're seeing. And I think ultimately, whether it's a dream or it's numbers that you're seeing or it's a picture that you're seeing, ultimately the Holy Spirit gives us the interpretation. And so I can have a picture for the church. I can have a dream for the church. I could have, I could see numbers. I could see something driving past on a truck. But all of those things are given to us to interpret what God is saying. And so for me, it's not necessarily about sometimes the language. It's about uh, how you get it. It's what does that mean? And so sometimes I think we can get like, well, hey, I identify as a dreamer, and I'm like a this, and I'm that, and this is, and we sort of get stuck into that. And I'm like, no, actually, God's just trying to say something, and so what is it that he's trying to say? And so some of the guys that I've trained, I've actually, um, I'm just trying to use the right word, Um, I've discouraged sometimes, unless it's relevant, to give the backstory two words. Because the backstory is often for me. I get the backstory so that I can explain to you what I feel God is saying. At the end of the day, I, I could see, like I could look at you now and get a picture. I could have had a dream. I can have numbers. I could have a whole lot of stuff. But ultimately, what is that saying? Um, and so the fact is, I might not even have to tell you what I saw. I can just say, I feel that this means this, this, and this. And the, the fact is, the interpretation is what we're after, not necessarily making the language the main thing. And so whether you're a dreamer, whether you're someone that sees numbers, whether it's pictures, whether it's whatever, it's actually just what is God saying. Um, and so even like, so a lot of guys will come up and go, especially like in a meeting context, it's like they can, or I call it flowering up a word. It's like, well, God woke me up at three o'clock this morning and then I went to the bathroom and while I was sitting on the toilet, this happened, and I'm like going, do we really need to? It's like, what did God say, you know? And then I had a picture, and while I had the picture, this bird came and sat on the windowsill, and I think the bird said this to me, and, you know, I'm like going, that's all wonderful. So that's part of the process, but all of that is for me. That's not necessarily for you. So looking at all that stuff, what, did, what was God saying? So I've often got to say to guys, sum it up for me in two or three, like, points or sentences. What does that all mean? So whether it's a dream or a number, and I find sometimes with numbers just interesting in life, I often feel it's connected to chapters and verses in the Bible. So for me, that's been the most common. If I've seen numbers, it's often been connected to a chapter and a verse in the Bible. Um, but the point is to say, if I'm seeing that number, just asking the Holy Spirit for interpretation. If I've had a dream, asking the Holy Spirit for interpretation. If I've had a picture, ask the Holy Spirit for interpretation. So, so last night... We met with some of the leaders, and the, it started for me as a picture. And there were things, but at the end of the day, I could have just said, well, hey, here's the picture. But it was asking God, what's the interpretation of that picture? What comes with that picture? Um, and that's really what you're after. Yeah. Yeah, what's the purpose of it? Yeah. And that's to encourage, build up, strengthen, give breakthrough, whatever, to someone. So it's what that all means. And so sometimes I think we can get too caught up in the way it was delivered. And I sometimes, and this is not always true, but I sometimes feel we feel more spiritual and significant the more we flower a word up. It's like, 
well, Jesus woke me up at three. So clearly I'm, a, I'm special. And it was the spiritual moment while I was sitting on the loo, you know. And it's like, and I heard God say and all of that stuff. And I'm just going, uh, cringe. You know, I'm like, is this about you? Or is this about like what God's actually trying to say? So I said, people just get to the point. You know, that backstory and the language is to make, to get, give you the point, and then you just um, give that. So, no, no, absolutely. So it's connected to identity, wanting to make it sound more flowery, right up there with "Thus saith the Lord" in New King James Version. <laughs> yes. No, no, no. Great question. things. Very good question. So um, I'm going to try and do this quickly so we don't use too much time. I have got like two documents I can give you that guys can read that on their own, like more detail. But firstly to know that the Bible instructs us to test prophecy. And so prophecy isn't a guarantee. It's an invitation to partner with God. So a prophecy, firstly, is never a guarantee. It's never to say, I'm going to prophesy this over Bev, and now because I said it, it's going to happen. And Bev's got no part to play in that. She's just going to sit back and wait for it to happen. Now, actually, the prophetic word is not a guarantee. It's saying, hey, Bev, this is what God's saying. He wants you to partner with him to see this word come to pass. So it's an invitation. So literally, if you're going to, we're going to prophesy over people now, it's like saying, this is an invitation to your future. This is an invitation to your destiny. This is an invitation to what you want to do. Almost like that mission impossible. Do you accept <laughs> the mission, you know? And so, and there it is, and then it explodes. Um, but there is something of knowing that it needs to, it's an invitation, and you need to always test words. I don't care who gives you the word. They could be the most profoundly prophetic person. At the end of the day, we are prophesying through our lenses. We are we're prophesying in the New Testament, and we can make mistakes. And so that's, I feel, why the Bible says we need to test. How do you test a word? Firstly, before I say testing it, when you are someone that's giving a word, and this is sometimes a little difficult, is when you give someone a word, you are not in charge of the word. <laughs> you are merely a messenger. And so if I am the messenger that is the mailman that's delivering your electricity bill, I'm not saying, here's your electricity bill. Like, you better pay your bill. Do, let me just check. Wh when are you planning to pay that? Like, I, want, I think you should go tomorrow and pay this bill. Because you know the expiry date is on Friday. And if you don't get there in time, the mailman just gives it to you and then it's up to you. And so I think in our prophecy, we need to be careful not to be prescriptive and tell people what to do. So in terms of 
this is an invitation. This is what I feel God's saying. This is a sense that I have. Maybe I've got a timeline. And so I come and I submit that to you. I'm not saying this is a prescriptive thing and this is what you must do. I'm saying this is what I'm feeling, sensing, thinking. And then you need to take that word and test it. So these things you can test on timing. These things around timing, which most people miss prophetic words on. Um, there's tests you can do, biblical tests. Um, the fact that God gives you wise counsel um, around words where you sit with guys that can help you. There is something which I call partnering with a prophetic in terms of the fact that most people write it out, they put it on their fridge, and it's like, look how awesome I am, but we're not prepared to do anything about that. And so prophetic words, we need to partner with them to see them come to pass. So it's quite, I mean, you could do like a whole session on testing words, but I'll send the notes through. But I think the most important thing is as the deliverer, not to be prescriptive and like you telling people what to do. Um, at the end of the day, you're giving the invitation on, on God's behalf to them. And then for the receiver to know the importance of testing a word and partnering with that word, knowing that I have a responsibility connected to that word. I can't just sit back. So, I mean, I could have a prophetic word about teaching the word and being a preacher, whatever, and I'm just never studying the Bible. I'm like never in the scriptures. I'm never going to any preaching courses. I'm not studying any theology, but I just expect to wake up tomorrow and now you must give me the pulpit. Now, actually, there's a responsibility that I have to develop that gift, to grow in that gift. So, there, so prophecy always comes um, in a sense with condition as to whether you're going to partner with that or not. But I'll, I'll send through some notes as well, and you can have a look. Okay, are we ready to jump into some fun and activation? My favorite part of things. So we're going to do this through a little... It's, it's partly to teach you a, a skill, but um, in that we're just going to bless people. So the lady sitting at the back with a denim jacket on, could you come forward for me? We are going to use... Yes, you. <laughs> we are going to... We are going to use you as our guinea pig, but you are going to get blessed in the process. So I'm not going to put you on the spot. And um, I'm going to demonstrate something to you. So many of you would say, oh, I want to pray for someone. I want to pray for, I'm going to use a person. I'm going to use a person at the moment. But you sort of, you want to pray and you're just going, I have no idea. I've got nothing. I don't know how many of you have ever been in that situation. I'm regularly in that situation. I'm just going, um, I know I need to pray for this person, and I have nothing. So then we default to our constipated face, and we're like, I'm going to try, I'm going to try, nothing's coming, and we just get nothing, and you're praying about your business, and you're praying about a solution, and it's like, ah, and nothing's happening. And so for me, it helps to actually ask specific questions. So what's your name? Aldina. Aldina. Okay, wonderful. Aldina. Are you in this church? Yes. Okay, wonderful. So, yeah, she's not going anywhere. Um, there's lots of people that would like you, though, uh, because of what you carry. And so for me, if, I, if I'm praying for someone and I'm like going, Lord, I'm trusting you for a word to encourage someone, to build them up, strengthen them, someone in my home group, someone at church, um, someone that someone's asked you to pray for, maybe there's an altar call, people needing ministry. For me, I'll ask three questions. And it's connected around treasures, 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 talents, and time. Okay, so I'm going to give you a little, once again, the process is not the point. It's where we get to. So if I look at Aldina, is that right, Aldina? The question I'll ask, what Bible character does she remind me of? 
when I look at her. So I want you all to look at her, whether you know her, don't know her. The first Bible character that comes to mind when you look at her, just hold on to that. Okay, so everyone's seen her? First Bible character that comes to mind. So that would be what her treasure is. So there's something about that Bible character. So when you think of David, and I think about David, we could think of two different strengths about David, but the point is that we are looking for the treasure in that character that she carries. So you look at her and you go, okay, what Bible character do you see when you look at her? All right, everyone got a Bible character? Okay, hold on to that. So I'm looking for the treasure that God's put inside of her, identity, who she is, how God sees her, um, and it's rooted in the Bible. I'll just show you. There we go. I look at my phone and I get that all the time. My 11-11, there we go. Yeah, and um, the, the second thing is, I ask is, what animal does she remind me of? So, hmm? That's talent, yeah. So the first one is treasure, is your Bible character. You're looking at identity, treasure, who she is, her personality, things she does. Secondly is an animal, her talent. So every animal is known for something. They're known for being fast. They're known for being cuddly. They're known for the noise they make. They're known for, there's a couple of things that they're known for. So when you look at her, what is the animal that comes to mind and why? So you connect the why. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Then the last thing I sometimes ask, and you might not get all of these. It might just be one thing that you start with and then you can go from there. And the last one is time. What season of life is she in? Winter, spring, summer, autumn. There we go. Winter, spring, summer, autumn. What season of her life is she in? You went from constipated face to having three pictures. Easily. You didn't even have to like even try. You're just going, okay, I've got something to work with. And this is not, hey, this is like a biblical way to do it. It's just a tool that helps you to get started. Because often as you start, more will come as you look at her. And so When you were sitting in the back, I kept getting a a picture. I'm going to mix the order up. But I kept getting a picture of a songbird, like the songbird sitting, singing on like, you know, they sit on the the wires. And you're just singing out like the songbird. And so I'm not sure if you sing, but that's the picture um, I had of you. And I just saw that there is an incredible heart to worship upon your life. Um, you have a worshipper's heart. There is something in you that just loves to worship. There's uh, something around music and singing that I feel like is that treasure and it's that talent that is placed within inside of you. And I feel like there is, um, and you can have male or female characters, and that, that thing of seeing David, um, I felt like David ushered in a new way of worship. And I feel like there's an anointing upon your life to usher in a new wave of worship. And I feel like even in this church, there's an anointing upon your life to usher in a new wave of worship. And um, let me just check, do you sing? You used to. Uh, maybe God's bringing something out there. And, um, and so I just feel like there is this anointing upon your life for worship and the songbird to sing. And um, the season that I had was that you had come out of a winter season. Like I saw like all the all the leaves and all the, and I, I know in Durban nothing ever loses its leaves, but in countries where you have strong winters, like the trees completely bare. And I feel like there's this season that you've come out where you've just felt like everything is bare. 
There's no fruit on the tree. There's no leaves. But I saw these buds coming. And I felt like you are coming into a springtime. And I feel like that which is stolen is going to be restored. That which has been stolen in the previous season is going to be restored in this season um, for you. And I just felt like whether that's in worship and other areas as well, um, I just felt like even um, with regards to family, I kept seeing a picture of family and extended family around you. Um, I just felt like there was something around family and a miracle that God's going to do in family and something you've really been contending before God around family. And I felt like him say, you will see the hand of the Lord um, come to pass. And so those three things I literally just got from looking at those three, those three areas. And so you go from like, mm, I have nothing to actually um, releasing that. Is anybody else something that came out? Uh, shares, what do you want? Mm. Mm. Yeah, you'll go for it. Yeah. Mm. Jillian, did you have something for it? Mm. Yeah, go for it. Mm. And we, I, I was talking with my mom on the bed and, and I was talking to 
window and it sang and it broke the window with these words. Mm. And it was, it was like a movie where you can see people using words that don't make sense. And it would break down since the window that people don't even know that are words. So that's mm. actually my feeling of prayer for my parents. Mm. And then my, my personal life, I saw it with Moses. It's very similar to Sharon's mm. word. It's, it's Moses only trusted what God told him. Mm. He trusted, he spoke to Moses and mm. Moses was healed by the presence mm. of Jesus. Mm. No, that's fine. You don't need to get all of it. And the fact is also your, all your animals don't have to be the same. The point is that's just to give you the backstory to what God wants to say. So sometimes, I, most times, I don't say, like, I'm seeing this person or this is the animal or this is the season. You just give the interpretation of what that means to you. And so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just want to pray for you. And just, Father, I just believe that right now, even in the spirit, that you are wanting to break off the old and release the new for her father. Father, I want to break off that which she feels has disqualified her and bring her into a place where she knows that she is fully qualified, not because of what she's done, but because of what you've done. And so, Father, we just we, we want to just proclaim over and release over her that change of season right now in Jesus' name. And we're not praying something that we want. We're praying in line with what you have revealed. And so, Father, I pray that even in this new season, there would be a new, fresh sense of anointing in areas of gifting and life that she's previously felt. Father, where she feels things have died um, or felt dormant, we call them to life. We speak life over her in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And I thank you, Father, for her ability to just be a, an atmosphere changer, an atmosphere shifter, and to break things open for other people to find freedom and to find healing in Jesus' name. Father, even as her hands are open before her, Father, I thank you that she is going to release healing. I just see like a healing that comes even through your song, even through what it is that you, you speak or say. There is an anointing upon you for supernatural elements to what it is that you do. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for the miracles. We thank you for her family. We thank you for that which you are doing in and through her family. Um, and we thank you, Father, that she's going to carry a wonderful testimony from this time of all that you've done. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. So did that make sense to you? Good. All right. I always say tears are a good thing in the prophetic. <laughs> but, yeah, hopefully. But, um, yeah, that's wonderful. And it's great if you are working in team, if you're in home groups and things, actually get feedback from people. Not so that you feel great, but just so that you can learn that you are hearing, that you are getting the right thing. And so, bless you. Thank you. Okay, excellent. Um, I'm wanting to pray. Um, just, I'm not sure, I know that I've prayed over you once before. I think, I can't remember where it was, but if I just sent it to your folks. But when I spoke about a download of designs, like, I don't know, like design work or whatever, um, I felt like there is, like there's going to be a prophetic anointing upon designs that God is going to literally download from heaven like it's going to be you just it's like you weren't even thinking about it you weren't trying but these designs would just fall into your into your heart into your spirit and that there would be such life on that and that it would be such a wonderful expression of who God is but not only just an expression of who he is 
but I feel like it's going, those designs are going to open doors for you. Um, and where everything for you is around the gospel. You're just going, man, if this is for the gospel, we'll use that. If, I, if this is for the gospel, we'll use that. And I feel like God is going to use those downloads of designs to open doors for the gospel. And not only even in this country, but in um, further afield, that God is going to give you designs that will be seen and experienced by people, um, not only just in your immediate circle, but um, sort of waves um, above that. And I just saw you being, um, I think it was the woman with all the cloth and the purple cloth and all of that. Uh, Lydia, yeah, I thought it was Lydia. The, um, and I just saw that picture of Lydia and I just saw color. And I, th- There was these amazing colors. But ultimately her whole purpose was to be able to open her house and her life and her home to the gospel. And she used all of that to be able to, with that in mind and with that purpose and focus. And so I just want to encourage you in that. And um, I almost feel, I don't know how long ago you studied and when you're working and what you're doing now, but I just felt like um, it was like things were so crystally clear to you at one stage and you've sort of felt, well, I'm not sure how to connect the dots of what I felt and where I am right now. And God says, I'm going to make all things clear. Um, and I feel like there's an aligning of up of certain things that has been in the destiny of God for your life. And he says, as much as you can't bring all the dots together right now, he says, I will bring the dots together at the most perfect time. And you're going to see it outwork um, in your life. And I felt like him saying, in this season, just enjoy the season and don't ask too many questions. Um, I just saw the season of just enjoy the season. And because of your submitted heart and your heart for the gospel, those things will outwork. Um, you don't necessarily need to manage them um, because you love to manage things. <laughs> and I feel like him saying, just let it go. Like he will outwork that. He will bring what it is that he has uh, for you. So enjoy the season that you're in. So I just wanted to encourage you in that. Um, the lady that um, that came and spoke to me that can speak the heavenly language, that's Afrikaans for all you Durbanites. <laughs> um when you were standing here, and then funny enough, you mentioned um, the couple that we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, um, I just felt like you are such a warrior in the spirit that you're not always somebody that feels like you need to stand up front and like have this platform and do whatever. But I feel like you do so much in the realm of the spirit behind the scenes, if that makes sense. Um, and I felt like even as you mentioned Pierre and Sinead, before you said them, I thought, wow, this woman is a prayer warrior. And now I would understand your connection with them. And I feel like you are able to download the word of the Lord that's needed for what's needed to be prayed in a specific season. And so I feel like there's such an anointing upon you to discern the, the times and the seasons and to pray them into being. Um, and I feel like God puts people on your heart. I feel like he puts churches on your hearts. He puts nations on your hearts. And as you, you receive that in the right time, in that moment, I feel like there's such a faithfulness and a consistency to pray things through. Um, and I, you need to know that you carry an anointing to break ceilings and to change seasons. And so I wanted to encourage you in that and say um, a lot of times you think like, well, is, does this mean anything? Is anything happening? But I felt a phrase that I've heard before, that your name is feared in the corridors of hell. 
that your name is feared in the corridors of hell and that they know when you pray and you get up or you kneel down and you pray, things change and shift in the realm of the spirit. And so I just wanted to encourage you in that. Don't, don't become weary in doing what it is that God has placed upon your life. And, um, and sometimes, probably most of what you get, you don't often share. Um, you pray it through. And I wanted to, I feel like there's more time that's actually going to come where you're going to mobilize others to pray what's on the heart of God for seasons um, and invite other prophetic people and other folk into that saying this is urgent in this hour for us to pray for. Um, I feel like even, are you in this church? Um, I feel like even in this church, there are things that people are living in and things that have happened in the life of the church that are directly connected to the prayers that you've prayed. And there's something of a consistency and a persistency. Um, the animal I saw actually was like a bulldog. And you know when a bulldog bites onto something, it, I think that the jaws lock and then it just won't move. And um, I feel like once you get onto that thing, you'll pray until it happens. And so I just wanted to encourage you in that. So wonderful. Good. Wonderful. Um, I just felt to pray. Um, is it such a... Okay, before I do that, the lady that came to share the word with me during tea time, what was your name again? Leanne. All right, Leanne. Um, I just feel like to the leadership of this church, you have been a constant flow of encouragement. That that which you bring and that which you share, I feel firstly comes from such a pure flow and from such a pure place. And secondly, I feel like the words that God shares with you are often very specific for a time and a season. And so you feel like, well, I just want to be prophesying more, but I feel like God says it's not necessarily going to be the more, but it's going to be the depth of what it is that he's going to give you. And I feel like you are going to encourage um, churches and you are going to encourage ministries with the words that God's going to give you. Yes, you'll have the words for the ones and twos, but I feel like the impact and the influence of your word is going to broaden. And I feel like there's been an incredible faithfulness even in the life of this church where you've been faithful with that which God gives you. And I don't always know if you get feedback, but I, I just sensed in the, in the spirit that you have actually confirmed really big things in the life of this church where guys have been praying and it's like at the right time you've brought that word. And I want to just say that that is going to increase. I see that anointing increasing and the depths of the words becoming deeper. So it's not necessarily I've got to have a word every day and every week, but the word that you're going to bring is going to carry significance for a time and for a season. And it's going to be incredible confirmation um, to people around big decisions that they need to make. And so I feel like that's how the prophetic is strategically put in you. And I feel like even for business people, um, that you are going to have dreams and pictures and visions around their business. And at the right time, they're going to be going, God, we don't know if we must do this or that. And at the right time, you're going to bring a word. And as you bring that word, it's going to help. It's going to confirm what it is uh, that they're saying. Does that make sense to you? Does that make sense to all of you that know her? Good. All right. I want us to pray over one another, but I don't want to lose the, just lose the moment and the flow. Um, the lady that shared about the tar, the Sharon, yeah, um, I feel like you have an incredible gift, not only in the prophetic, but that you will actually be able to train and teach people. Um, I feel like you have the ability to take information and make it very clear and very plain for people to understand. 
Um, and I felt like God said that there are people that he's wanting you in the sense to disciple around you, that he's bringing around you. And he's saying, it's time, there's, there's something that you've developed and history in him that you've developed. And he wants to take that history and impart that to another wave of people. And so I just felt like, and it's not always going to be a teaching and a preaching in like a microphone lecture setting, but I felt like it would be en route. Just come with me as I pray. Come with me as I prophesy. Come with me as I do this. Come with me as, you know, this is what I'm praying for. Come into that space. And I feel like you're inviting people into a space. And also that the prophetic that you carry upon your life doesn't only carry the word, but it carries anointing for breakthrough. And so as you speak, the spirit of God upon that word, it's not just, hey, that word was accurate or online, but it unlocks something in that person at that time and that you're able to shift things. But I felt like God said it's time to multiply that which I've put on your life to multiply that in other people. And um, I just saw like this, like almost like a little mother hen with little chicks going, let me show you how this is done. Come, we're going to go together um, because you have a real heart. I feel like there's a mothering anointing upon your life uh, to mother those around you and to bring, you th- to bring them through. So wonderful. Um, I wanted to pray. When I spoke about business, um, and so this is not completely out of like not knowing anything, but I just felt for, for Hilton, and it, it is Cameron in the, in the back there, I just, when I spoke about business, I just had like such a sense that God wanted to do something with you guys around business, and I don't know if you're in the same business or different businesses, but it's sort of irrelevant, but um, I just felt like for the two of you to actually come forward and to stand here, I just felt like we needed to just pray some things and release some things. Around that, oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm not even sure, like, what? Okay, I'm not feeling intimidated at all. <laughs> okay, because I'm like facing the 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 the, the all blacks in a scrum. So. No, no, no. Stay straight up, you know. Yeah. Like what business you're involved in, and I felt like almost like the business is irrelevant because you know that it's not about the business. You've always known that all that you do is around the kingdom, and um, like obviously you've just had the the picture that I get is of these floods that you've just had in KZN, and a lot of people I've been driving and seeing people's walls have fallen down and they. <laughs> the gates and it's like being this mudslide and I feel like it's like in the last um, season and I mean I know it's been COVID and all of that stuff so it seems a little obvious but I almost feel like there's been a bit of a mudslide in the business it's been like this wall is just like it's like sliding down the side of a like the mountain um, and it's been like god are we still doing the right thing are we still in the right thing what are we what's going on here and I just felt like there are and I kept getting the word Uh, are you in business together? Because I keep getting one, okay. Um, I keep getting the fact that God has ordained in heaven contracts for you. So I don't know if you work on contracts or how that works, but I just saw new contracts, new contracts, new contracts, and these contracts being signed, and these contracts were signed, and they weren't for short-term things. They were for long-term things. And so he said in this season, even though it feels like there's been this mudslide 
of things down the side of the mountain. And it's like, man, now we've got to rebuild the wall. I felt like God said there's going to be a turnaround in contracts that he's going to bring your way. And and the contracts that get signed in this season are going to support you in seasons to come. That it's not just about, hey, this is just going to pay the bill this month, but it's actually going to have a sustaining. I have absolutely no idea what that means. I'm just telling you what I see. But there's these new contracts. They're going to come. And there's something of a long-term sustaining of what it is that God has upon you. And um, I feel like one of the things the enemy has robbed, that upon you, um, on both of you, that there's an anointing for the nations, and that's actually what the enemy's been after. He's done it through your business, but it's because he wants to rob the nations of what it is that you have. Um, Because there is a prophetic entrepreneurial business type anointing upon both of you, where I feel like there's a design and blueprint where you need to you need to stretch leadership models and you need to stretch leadership mindsets in church as to what that can look like, how business can operate in the life of churches. Um, and I saw the two of you um, even traveling together two places and two churches and um, breaking something open in the prophetic and business. I have no idea. I've never seen that before, but that's um, what I saw. And you're going to break open the the, the Because I feel like where the world is going, business in church and business and church um, is going to be way more needed. And God is going to use business and trusts and all sorts of things to be able to bring his kingdom in a world that is anti-church. And it's like God's going to put these, I feel like, uh, prophetic business models and people together to be able to sustain the persecuted church. And I have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about, but um, that's the word that I had. And so, Father, I just pray, it's Cameron, huh? Cameron and Hilton. Father, I pray for Cameron, I pray for Hilton. Father, I thank you for the anointing upon their life that they have stewarded over years and years. Father, I almost feel like whether they were selling peanut butter or they were selling paper, The fact is that it was around being a kingdom business and not necessarily about the business itself. And there are principles and models that I believe that you are downloading to them prophetically that are going to break things open in churches. And that the prophetic, like I spoke about, it's going to be wider than just the word. But it's actually going to be businesses that are set up to... um, support the kingdom and I don't even just mean financially I mean in models and trusts and all sorts of things buildings um, that are going to be released because of this kingdom model of business that you are downloading I thank you father that this gift is not just for here that this gift is going to be used and celebrated in different countries in different cultures and father I just come against the enemy that has wanted to rob steal and destroy an inheritance of the nations over them I feel like there has um, I don't know if there's been a season in your life where you flew a lot Um, But I feel like, and I mean, I know COVID just destroyed that for everybody, but I feel like it's the enemy has been trying to stop you from being able to fly (laughs) Um, spiritually and um, like practically like flying. And I feel like God says, I have air tickets with your names on where you are going to go and in a sense consult on certain things around these kingdom business models. And um, so, Father, I pray that this makes sense to them. But, Lord, I pray that you would come and that you would destroy every work 
every scheme of the enemy and that right now I pray that there would be a release, a release, Father, from the work of the enemy to rob them of their inheritance in Jesus' name. To rob them of their inheritance in Jesus' name. We release the nations over them. We release the nations over them, Father. I thank you, Father, that they are are but a pipeline. They are but a pipeline. And, Father, where the enemy has come and in a sense, destroyed their wall that's been sliding down the side of a mountain. Father, I pray that you would release, that you would release the goodness of God. You would release the goodness of God. And they they wouldn't even have to go through a spring to get to summer and harvest, but that there would be a change of season right now in Jesus' name. We pray for those contracts that would come, and it's not even about the contracts or the income. It's what they enable you to do. And we pray for that in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for these men that they, you would speak to them through dreams and visions. I just saw for both of you at night times, dreams and visions coming to you, um, that you are just going to know what to do at the right time um, for people in a situation, contracts, um, even like random people you're going to feel to contact. And God is saying, contact these people right now and there's going to be an open door. So we pray for that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray for the legacy um, of their children. I pray for the legacy of their children. And Father, I pray that that legacy would not be touched. That legacy would not be touched. There are certain things that have been put in place over years, and I feel like those things are at risk right now, and I pray that that would not be touched in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Does that mean something to you guys? Good. Wonderful. Good. What are we doing time-wise? All right. Wonderful. The couple that are sitting at the back, the lady's got like a blue, blue and white, and you've got a black top on, sir. Um, I just, uh, the word I kept seeing over you are encourages, encourages. And I felt like the, the way God is going to use you is to encourage people. As I spoke about the language of heaven being encouragement. And the picture that I had of was just of people. There was such a social element um, to your lives. There was such a social element to everything you did. And that people are going to come and receive fresh bread from you. And I felt like it was even connected to food in some other way. I don't know if you just like eating or if you like feeding people. But um, I just felt like it was even connected to food. And it, like often we want... We think like, oh, the prophetic's got to be this like super spiritual meeting and everyone falls over, when actually sometimes it's just around the table. It's just around the table, breaking bread, eating together, sharing a meal. And God says, I've placed within you such hearts of encouragement and that people are going to be encouraged. They're going to have wind blown in their sails as they connect with you. And it's going to be through like, I feel like it's like God's going to make it so simple for you to be able to feed people. Um, both both physically and spiritually. And him saying it's not necessarily always needing to be the spiritual church, you know, sort of idea of how gifts work. But it's actually going to be around fellowship and the table that God is going to call you to encourage people, to build them up, to blow wind in their sails. Um, and people are going to find a place. And because they sat at your table, they are going to get up different. They're going to get up transformed because the word of God is going to come through you to encourage them into what it is that he has for them. 
So I just wanted to encourage you in that. Um, do you, do, um, the lady, do you have your own business by any chance? Were you at home or do you, do you work for a business? Um, have you ever thought of starting your own business or a side little thing? Um, I don't know why, there's just something on you where I feel like God says there's something inside of you that it doesn't always have to be for someone else, that it's actually going to be something you love to do um, on the side that's really going to bring you joy um, and that other people are going to be blessed in the process. So I'll just leave that with you to test that. All right, so what I'd love us to do is if you could... um, if you could find someone, this sorry, this lady that's sitting here with a blue Bible, blue skirt, whatever you've got, yeah. What's your name? Togo. Um, Togo, the picture I saw of you was of a woman standing fully armed um, and fully clothed in like warrior attire, like a, you know, like the knights of the old, and you had this incredible. Um, warrior outfit on Um, and it speaks in Ephesians about the fact that we are clothed with the breastplate of righteousness um, and it speaks about that armor of God and I feel like you carry the armor of God so well Um, I feel like the word is so important to you the Bible the written word is so important to you you love the scriptures you love being in the scriptures you love and I felt like God said that he has positioned the scriptures in you with such depth that he is going, there's something upon you that's going to declare scripture in certain seasons. I see you standing, praying, and declaring scripture over people, over situations. And as you do that, the word of God is going to break things open. I feel like there's a, there's a richness of the word of God in you. There's a solidness around everything comes from the word. And I feel like you are going to use the word as a weapon and as a sword um, in, in situations where you're going to go and say the word of God says and therefore I speak it with boldness and confidence. I feel like you carry an authority in the realm of the spirit and I feel like people are going to come into a place of deliverance because of the authority that you carry with the word. And I saw you being like in the, the olden days they used to ride on their horses and they used to joast with these big things. But it was like you would just take that person right off their horse. And I felt like you have an ability to destroy the works of the enemy in people's lives, but that it comes from a rootedness in the word of God, knowing his truth and standing upon it. I feel like in your life there have been seasons where all you had to stand on was the word of God. There was nothing else available. It was like uh, no one's going to come to the rescue here other than Jesus and his truth. And I feel like there was something that was built in that season that you are going to stand upon and you are going to help other people find deliverance because of that. Um, And I don't just mean deliverance, though it includes of like demonic spirits, but actually deliverance of places that they would find themselves, deliverance out of circumstance, deliverance out of bad patterns, that you're going to come and speak the word of the Lord. um, And it's going to be rooted in scripture. And so I want to release. Father, we just pray for Togo. Father, we ask that you would release your Holy Spirit upon her, Father. Father, I thank you that, um, yeah, Father, I just thank you that your anointing would rest upon her even in a greater way. I pray your anointing would just fall upon her in Jesus' name. The fire of God would come upon her that would burn and it would burn. It would be like 
and speaks about fire like shut up in our bones, that, that fire would burn. And Father, I thank you that she wants, uh, she's going to get vengeance on what the enemy tried to steal from her. She's going to get vengeance in, in, and see the, the vengeance of God come and take, um, it's like you're going to repay the enemy for what he did. You're going to repay the enemy for what he did. People that are find themselves in the same or similar situations, you're going to say, you know what, the enemy didn't take me out and he's not going to take you out. And so we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this freedom bringer in Jesus' name. Thank you for this freedom bringer in Jesus' name. Amen. Wonderful. Good. All right, so if you can find, um, if you can connect with somebody, it is better if you don't necessarily know them or they're not like a close family member or friend, but I'd love us to do the exercise of having, finding the Bible character, the animal and the season. You don't have to find all three of them. You can find, um, you know, whatever you get and I'd like you to share what it is you feel around them. So just ask for a picture of the Bible character, an animal or season and say, what does that mean to me? Because God is showing that to you because it means something to you. And so I want to, you to encourage one another to activate that. And I want to just uh, pray for us as we, as we close with that. Father, I just thank you for a room full of hungry people to say, yes, Lord. We want to be obedient. We want to be used. Father, there are destinies and callings that you have placed upon people's lives today. And Father, I pray that there would be an unlocking of that this morning. Even as we have shared, even as we pray, it doesn't need to be a long, laid-on-hands type of moment. But Father, I just declare over lives today that there would be an unlocking and an activation of the gift of prophecy in a greater measure. That there would be an amplification of your voice in our lives. And Father, I pray it wouldn't just be, hey, look at my gift and look what I can do with it. But actually, it would be to see your kingdom come to see the, the, the destiny you have in our lives outworked through our lives. And so, Father, I pray for that. I pray that there would be an impartation of, of the life of the Spirit, the voice of the Spirit, the activation of the Spirit's gifts in our lives, not just prophecy, but I pray for healing and deliverance and, and mir the miracles and signs and wonders and faith to flow so strongly through our lives. But Lord, I know it takes a yes from us. It says, Lord, I'll risk, I'll step out, I'll do whatever. And so, Father, we pray that the that head of fear would be broken off. The head of fear would be cut off in our lives daily as we give ourselves to activating that which you've placed within our lives on a daily basis. And so I pray for that. I pray for this group, um, whether they're from this church or el elsewhere. Father, I pray that wherever they are, that wherever they are, I pray your kingdom would come through them. Your voice would be heard. And that they would be people that would say, here am I, Lord. Here am I. What do you want me to do? I will be obedient to whatever you ask. So I pray for that in Jesus' name. I pray for this church. I pray for the prophetic in the life of this church. I pray that there would be like a sense of turning up of the dial. There's always been such a strong sense of the prophetic in this church. But I pray for a whole new level where there are going to be dreams and visions coming on a regular basis. Father, I pray for a manifestation of the gifts in the meetings and the home groups where, where there would be an activation of the priesthood and that gifts would flow so naturally um, in this place 
Um, and as a result, the life of God is going to break out. People are going to be set free. People are going to be delivered. People are going to be catapulted into the plans and purposes that God has because the level of the prophetic has just risen to a new place. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. All right, so maybe we can do that quickly and then we'll close. So we've got like 10 minutes. So just share with the person what it is that you feel and then uh, we can close after that. So don't run away. Be a blessing to somebody that's around you. And uh, yeah, find one or two things that you feel to share. Those that need to go can go and... um, but Chanel, thank you very much. Let, let's just give her a hand. That was absolutely amazing. <laughs> who, who feels like there's, there's been something deposited in them? You know, that's, isn't that amazing? Hey? Yeah. So just to give you a heads up, Chanel's going to be up on Sunday morning, and then we also have a Sunday evening pop-up service, which is really, it's really going to be. We're going to let Chanel loose on us. And so come with faith and it's going to be an encounter service where we're just going to expect God to move and have a wonderful, wonderful time. So if you can do anything Sunday evening, it's going to be amazing. Thank you very much. Chanel, thank you very much.